There we go. I gotta get closer myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Welcome to Curious Pete. My name is Pete, and today I am uh, joined with uh, Jessica Dodd and uh, Kira Platbarens. And today we're talking about COVID success and things that have happened uh, during lockdown and all that stuff. We hear so many negative things about COVID, but you know, there are a lot of things that can come out of it that were positive, um, especially in this last year, a lot of self-development and personal growth has occurred. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today uh, with um, with the two of you guys. Um, so I guess I'll just open it up. Um, Jess, you, yourself, you uh, can you tell me what it is that you do? I, I have here that you're a holistic wellness coach in yoga and mindfulness. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. So okay. yeah, I am a holistic wellness coach. So I help women overcome burnout and find calm and balance in their everyday lives. So that might be incorporating some yoga principles, also mindfulness and meditation teachings as well. Um, I have recently um, left my corporate job Mm. Um, last year and yeah I'm now working full-time in the health and wellness industry which is really exciting and really nice and meeting lots of nice people on that journey as well great um, be excited to kind of dive into what all that is and kind of dissect and see what all that means because yeah. so many questions so many words yeah so many words. <laughs> um, and for you Kira what is it that you do um uh right now I'm running my own small business taking people on guided forest therapy walks Oh yeah. and forest therapy is about going out into nature. It's a lot of mindfulness as well about calming down your mind and going into nature just to be there and connect with the, the environment and finding your own inner quiet as well. Hmm. And in that there's a lot of health and well-being benefits that come out. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So let's let's rewind the clock a bit back to uh, lockdown time. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. How, how did it? Um, how did I guess for either of you? How did you guys uh, get uh, the inspiration to um, do what you what you're doing now? Uh, was it because of lockdown, or was it just something that you were always wanting to do? Um, yeah. yeah. After you. I'll go first. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we'll cast our minds back to March 2020. Yeah, was that about it? a year ago now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, where I was at is I just graduated from environmental science degree um, and I was still doing a research job at the uni, like doing that half, and I was doing my studies to be a certified forest therapy guide. And I was about to start like a whole semester of you know, doing research because I was researching student learning in the classroom. So I'd have to go in and, and watch students learning and stuff. And that would have been pretty full. And, and then, no, it all, because COVID hit, well, face-to-face -face classes got turn, turned down, turned off. And um, so instead of doing that, I just switched gears and started a business mentorship course, which made me launch mm. into starting the forest therapy business. So... It was actually um, good timing for me because starting a business is just a lot of online things. So it was good <laughs> to have that to do from home. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was a bit of a shock though. Um, I mean, we'll talk about it more, but just everyone at home now, because I was still living 
in the six-person family household. So everyone was home now together. I quite enjoyed that actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Me and, and, and my cat got real close yeah. during lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when you say that you're um, like a certified uh, forest therapy coach, um, what is it that, so let's say, for example, if someone just wants to go walk in the woods, mm-hmm. uh, what's the difference between that and maybe something that, you know, if they were to get, you know, involved with, um, uh, with your company? With a you guide. Know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people ask that. Um, the thing is, you know, it depends on the person. If you've had an affinity for nature your whole life, you might find it very easy to just go and wander around in the forest or in the park and just slow down. But for a lot of people, that's not normal to them anymore. They're used to trying to be productive all the time and, um, you know, not even being in natural environments very often. They live live in apartments, work in skyscrapers, and um, they, you might go out into nature and um, just feel like, what am I doing here and <laughs> feel out of place? Or what I'm sure a lot of people do is they go out for a walk with their friends and they just talk the whole time. And I'm, I've heard some reflections from other guides and what they've heard from their um, people who go with them and it's like they say, oh, I need someone there to talk to you because I don't want to listen to my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be with myself. So the difference is when when you're with a guide, um, they sort of bring you into a space where you can relax into how you are feeling and maybe be shown, you know, um, some breathing techniques to slow your heart rate down and some ways to direct your awareness into um, being there with what you can see and feel and smell and hear. And um, it's, it is about slowing down because in these days it's a very fast-paced lifestyle, especially in the city. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can re- relate to that just from what I've seen. You know, if you're out, you know, in nature or you're on walking trails and most of the time you see, you know, everyone's taking pictures or stories to post on their Instagram yeah. and actually not connecting with the nature around them. So, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, why the guide. Mm. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense, yeah. yeah. I, I, this is... Um, it's not the first time I've heard of it, actually. The first time I heard of it was um, <clears throat> in Japan. Mm, that that's right. There yeah. was a, um, I think, I mean, I guess you can look into it. There's a lot of uh, issues in terms of the labor that goes mm-hmm. on in Japan. Is Kuroshu? Kuroshu is um, what they call it. Shinrin Yoku is what we, how we got the word forest therapy or forest bathing because mm. it's about um, sort of like immersing yourself in the forest. Amazing. Yeah, because yeah. I heard that's kind of where, is, is it, did it stem from that or? Pretty much. So like in the 80s-ish, there was that issue that you were saying that people were working so hard that their mental health was so poor or they were committing suicide because they just, you know, just was working themselves to death. Mm. And the government was identifying that as an issue and needing to, make an intervention Mm. and they knew that they had beautiful nature spaces in japan and i think i think i haven't looked into it fully but they have a a different sort of culture towards nature that it's something that that they really appreciate you know all the zen gardens and all that kind of thing so so they they sort of started these um, intentional places you could go with guides that would take you into the nature to restore your well-being Mm. Um, and then that branched out from Japan to 
like Korea, it's really big, and mm. China, and then in the UK, it's getting really big. The doctors are now offering like green prescriptions that's to right. people. I saw that in Scotland actually. Yeah, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, oh, that's pretty cool. It's a little sad, but it's <laughs> yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's sad that it's come to that, but yeah. it's good, it's progressive in a way. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I get those uh, those moments there where I just really feel like I need to have to be in nature. Mm. Like I need to be yeah. in the ocean. I need to mm. just be surrounded by some sort of I don't know nature something right? natural something natural yeah because yeah, it's so unnatural what we, what we live in you know yeah. it's like a and concrete I think jungle just speaking with the with the Japanese concept I know I think it was Kuroshu was a name it's what they labeled death from overwork oh right oh, yeah. yeah um and I know I watched a documentary not not that long ago um where women in Japan had created somewhat of a support group and there was a song that they sing, which is known across the nation. And, you know, don't quote me here because I don't know exactly. Go you know, there, I speak Japanese. You no, yes. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> Can you imagine? Nobody would ever finish listening to the rest of this podcast. Um, I think people would just check in just to hear it. Yeah. No, but um, they they had this song that was known over the nation. Um, to uh, that, that the widows of the husbands who oh. killed themselves from being burnt out because effectively it is it is burnout yeah um and i guess that's where that concept came from and they introduced it to forest bathing yeah right mm. that's well, awesome well let's um let's uh yeah talk about yourself as well when you when um you know lockdown was happening what what happened with you yeah. yourself yeah well um so my my previous career um i worked in medical recruitment um, for a company named Cornerstone Medical Recruitment, who specialise in placing doctors, nurses, allied health staff all across Australia. And it's an, it was an awesome job, awesome company, worked there for many years. I really hope but, we're not uh, having to pay them anything. For no, this I'm not paying. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this. Um, no, but I had an awesome time working there. But the problem was, you know, obviously during COVID and everything like that is because we were shipping out nurses and doctors all across the country the flights all got on hold so i remember the day that it was happening and i was actually coming back from a camping trip with friends and all flights were getting cancelled contracts were being cut and it was just it was just never ending like we had nurses who were meant to be flying to remote places in the kimberley the top end torres strait cape york who just couldn't go anywhere so then we were dealing with all of these communities largely indigenous communities who had no nurses no doctors nobody um coming on a contract for them and then we end up with so many people burnt out and it was just quite a full-on period to be honest and obviously mm being work from home as well was quite intense so that was kind of like the start of my covid journey mm-hmm. <laughs> start of the lockdown it's like journey. everything came to a screeching halt <laughs> yeah, it, yeah yeah exactly right mm-hmm. but then we had to keep momentum going because yeah. at the same time we had clients who needed staff so mm-hmm. we had to keep kind of i guess keep trying to find people who could drive there and you know state borders and everything like that so that was kind of the first hit of the lockdown for me and then I've kind of been on a bit of a self-development journey myself for many years now and I think when the lockdown happened I kind of had a realization that life's too short and I know it sounds very cliche but that's kind of how it happened for me I had all of this drama going on at work and it was very very stressful and you know, I did the whole um, 
eat, pray, love <laughs> um, traveling trip the previous year in the hope to find some kind of peace or contentment. And I was traveling in countries like India and Nepal. And, and I think, you know, in some way I was kind of seeking that enlightenment or that peace or that contentment. And I just didn't get it. I just didn't. And, you know, I was volunteering and I was doing all these awesome things. And don't get me wrong, I had a great time and I met amazing people and I got a great tan, but <laughs> didn't come home with enlightenment, you know. So um, I think... When, when the lockdown happened, I thought, what a great opportunity to actually start now pursuing my career in health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And because I'd worked in such a high stress environment and um, high pressure environment, not to mention the pressures that we all put on ourselves or that society puts on us, um, I really wanted to establish connection and help mostly women who have been dealing with burnout, sorry, burnout, who haven't you know, got the, I guess, knowledge on how to calm themselves down or how to meditate or they think yoga might be a exercise that they might do as a class at the gym and not really understanding the whole principles of the practice and how they can tune in to themselves and how they can find peace within. So I think I kind of went on this self-discovery journey and I met all these amazing people and I started, I started studying again, which I hadn't studied in like 11 years so I like starting doing lectures well, again and things I can imagine going back to school is like the most it was like, hard nightmares that you think about it was hard because I was still working full-time yeah. so when I was speaking about burnout I actually burnt myself more yeah. <laughs> because oh, yeah. I was studying full-time and then um and then yes yeah, slowly but surely over the over the months I started speaking to more people and I started to have some clients come on board that I was helping and I just found it really fulfilling and so I decided to take the leap you know mm. in to that career full time but had covid not have happened i probably would have just kept going through the motions yeah so. i kind of i could say the same thing even for this podcast you know mm. like here we are like i don't think i ever would have thought about getting yeah. back involved into media in any sort of sense of the word myself mm -hmm. yeah. um uh i had a i had a question uh, uh for you kira um when you are going and taking guides out into the into the forest mm -hmm. um so Part of your practice, I guess, is what to practice mindfulness, is it? Or is it is something yeah. different? Um, well, by the way, we go also into the botanical gardens. Like It's not necessarily a forest way out in the mountains. Mm. In the bush. I <laughs> actually try and have been focused on trying to make it as accessible as possible. So it's just in the city botanic gardens, mm. um, some close by nature reserves. But, um, yes, I use mindfulness because it's a word that a lot of people know these days. Mm. Um, but... I think people there's there's different ways mindfulness can be delivered to people, but in my walks it's very focused on just tuning into your five senses. So simple as that. So what you can see, which is generally we're very focused on what we can see, but once we sort of um, notice that, and then maybe we close our eyes for a little bit and just focus on what you can hear, and then what you can smell. Maybe if you feel like the breeze. How often do you realize you can feel your clothing on your skin, you know, and even just the grass underneath you or different areas that are warm and cool and things like that? It really, it just naturally calms us down and it actually brings us back to what our bodies uh, are able to do. Yeah. But, I have um, yeah. I have this uh, waking, was it, um, no, not waking, it's an open eye meditation uh, that I practice, which it almost sounds similar where you, uh, you, 
in in mine i'm just in my living room i probably could probably be better if i was in like nature but <laughs> it's the idea of when you hear something that you focus only on that that uh that sense and mm. you say to yourself here and then if you feel something then you say in your head feel or see or all that stuff is it kind of similar to that in a sense yeah so i'll be giving them giving the group cues to you know what can you hear and things like that i guess it's linked because and we are in our minds thinking a lot so if we can bring that idea of thinking into and then try and connect it with what we are physically feeling it will just sort of encourage our sense of awareness to go there to that place so yeah it's yeah. really powerful isn't it because i i know from from my experience you know I mean, I actually just use this as an example. I spoke to my mum on the phone this morning and um, love her. However, <laughs> she is um, pretty much set in her ways and she doesn't believe that. I mean, she might not admit to this, but I, I believe that she doesn't believe that mindfulness is accessible to everybody. She sees mindfulness as maybe a Buddhist monk in a mountain mm. in Nepal meditating for nine hours a day and she doesn't. Well, that's really? what I used to feel. I used yeah. to feel that way. Yeah, and a lot of people do, and that's that's part of. I don't want to say the problem because it's not it's not an issue in itself. But I think if people were more open to the fact that they might be able to go for a nice walk without their phone in the local gardens mm. to find a bit of contentment and find a bit of calm, and maybe like what you're doing here, maybe actually um, connecting with some like-minded people. Yeah. I, I think that that concerns me a little bit too if those um, expectations people put up in their minds of like, mm. will I be able to do that and things like that. But I try and make it so clear right from the get-go that it's like there's nothing you're trying to achieve on my walk. <laughs> like mm. there's no skill you have to master or anything. It's literally just about um, doing what you already – you do it without even trying. Like you're going to see if you open your eyes, you're going to smell if you breathe in through your nose. Like um, we're lucky to have all those different abilities, you know. I mean even if you don't, even if you can't see or something and you're still gifted with maybe hearing or, or um, smelling or something. So, mm. yeah, I think that is an issue as well for a lot of people. It's just the anxiety that like – I need to relax, but I can't relax. Like, <laughs> it's actually just about doing less, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. I can relate to that. I think when I started my yoga practice many years ago, I was I would go to a class and I would be so concerned with what everybody else was doing and the shapes <laughs> that they were making with their bodies that I would be, like, holding my breath and I'd be like, right, I need to try and make that shape. So I was just more focused on the way that I looked and comparison and comparing myself to other people and putting those expectations on myself. And now sometimes if I'm in that environment, I'll just sit down and just do my thing and breathe. Yeah, yeah. I, I still avoid it, though, like yoga classes, because the reason why, and this sounds it's all about my ego i think it a little is. bit because yeah. i i'm not very good at it and i know that someone's going to come around and correct my posture yeah. and then i feel embarrassed mm -hmm. that, that i'm not at the same skill level as everyone else in the class but you know? you know just taking that what you just said is the same as what kira's just mentioned mm. i'm not very good at it mm. you know you might have people who are joining up to come to one of your walks oh i'm not very good at mindfulness it's that kind of it's that talk that's mm. just, you know, mm. you're telling yourself that you're not good at something and you don't need to have an expectation yeah. of good or bad. You mm. just do. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Yeah. Because obviously it makes sense. Like, you know, when I guess with anything, any skill, you know, you always got to start somewhere. Right. Mm. You know, 
um, outside of surgery, I'd imagine someone who becomes a surgeon <laughs> should probably start off with being pretty good. At yeah. Um, and with um, Kara, with your with your business, you know, at the beginning of uh, well, at the end of lockdown, I mean, we got, we had it pretty easy in Brisbane. We only had like six weeks, mm. and then um, were you able to go out? immediately after that or because i thought there were some still some restrictions going on yeah. so when did you launch and how did so that i was always monitoring the restrictions on how many people can gather in a public space outdoors in a group um and gen like i don't really take more than 10 people on my walk so um i didn't face too many barriers i think there was a stage where it was like five people maximum but see i was going through my training at, at the time so i needed to um, have a group of people to come on walks with me and um, to practice and then I recorded what I did and things like that um, and that was a little bit of a hurdle like I think I my finishing my training was delayed a little bit because of that mm. um, but overall this kind of service that I was providing was very relevant for COVID because um, it was one of the only things you could do, go outside mm -hmm. for a walk. So that was one of the things that I w wanted to reflect on as well was um, when, when Mar in March, you know, I there was a local park near me that I'd always walk in or ride my bike through. It has a long, long path that connects multiple parks. And um, we'd go in the afternoon and, you know, a few people out and about walking their dogs and stuff. And then by March, April, it was like every single person was out there on the track every afternoon and we couldn't ride your bike through because you were just, there's just too many people. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to keep weaving through them, which was amazing. It was so good though, like that people were going out or out again. Um, maybe they never would do that. And you could tell like just by watching like, the kind of people that would normally go to the gym at that time that it just kind of looked a little out of place like they've I don't know like what you guys were saying about how like people like oh are like am I doing this right it's mm -hmm. almost as if they were like not sure whether it was right for them to be in the park or something but oh, yeah. um I loved seeing that everyone had come outside and that was very encouraging for me because I was like oh well I have other ways people can come outside and enjoy the outdoors um but yeah it wasn't like everyone flocked to my walks or anything because it's more of a hurdle when you start a business people have to know that you exist so yeah yeah so how did, how did you how'd you go about doing that in terms of your business uh, development um well I, I got a few I got a bit of support from Brisbane City Council which is really good Amazing. Oh, yeah because wow. nice. um I was volunteering at one of their environmental centers for a while leading up to that so they were very encouraging of me um sharing those kind of walks at their centers because they have mm. nice like trails and stuff mm -hmm. um so that was helpful but um then it was also just you know like facebook kind of groups mm. and um um using different ticketing platforms and i'm still figuring out like i'm still yeah. not there yet yeah, <laughs> face near, facebook angers me honestly i could really use some mindfulness for that oh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard know. for me sometimes it's like you're yelling out into a void and no one hears you and it's just like yeah. If I yeah. wanted to come onto one of your walks, what would I search on Facebook? Facebook, then you just could search Forest Therapy in Brisbane Forest or my business name, which is Well Natured Wandering. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone check it out. I got your website here too. What is it? Well-natured.net, right? No dash. No dash. No dash. Well-natured.net. I'm sure if you Google it, it'll pop up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's an interesting thing. Um, 
that I've been experiencing over the last year as well is like how to connect with people out out there in the real world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was ironic that so many people were coming out into nature and some were looking a little out of place because it is our place to be out there. Mm. We are mm. part of this natural earth and yeah, that's that's what the issue is with lots of people uh, not being in nature. Well, there's so many temptations for us these days not to be in nature, you know, just mm. don't even look out the window when you're on the bus, just look on your phone and... Um, isn't that weird? Yeah. Like, I think it's mostly like a social pressure <laughs> to not look up on a bus. Oh, yeah, it was you bizarre. Know? People it? look at you like, what's this guy? Why doesn't he have something to look at? You know, I am. Um, I, I'll i get him to listen to this, but I've got a very good friend, Jay, who works in community um, health in London. And he has lived in London for many years. And I went over to visit him when I was at home probably about four or five years ago now and it was so funny because I'm in the north of England like you're very people are very chatty and you know you might you might be in like the airport or the bus station or whatever and people just want to have a chat with you yeah whereas in London nobody wants to talk Mm -hmm. so I am I was getting on the bus with my friend Jay and um, I said, I said like, good morning to so the driver. I was like, morning and having a chat. Yeah. And then we, he looked, kind of looked at me funny. And then we were walking down the street and it was like early morning. You know, if you're in morning in Brisbane, it's like 6 a.m. You walk past people, you'll say, oh, hi, morning. Good morning, yeah. Especially yeah. in West End where we are now. Yeah. And he was absolutely mortified. <laughs> like you would have thought that like I embarrassed somebody in the face walking down the street <laughs> just for saying like, hello. But it is, it's a, it's a real thing. Like, you know, people are, are too con- they're, I, well they're too concerned about what other people are thinking or it's not just or that it's also like we're in a world at the moment where we are so connected and so so over connected and so over stimulated that it's kind of having the reverse effects and it's leaving us to not be connected at all because mm. you know i could say now i have you know a thousand something friends on Facebook from traveling the world and what have you meeting different people. I probably have like three friends <laughs> who I catch up with yeah, on a regular regularly. basis. Yeah. Like, so I think there's this kind of facade of you being connected, but you actually are, are not. Yeah. And that's so interesting. The studies about how, um, well, when you message someone to talk to them on the phone, like, yeah, you're sending them words and stuff, but it's not actually satisfying the level of connection that you, yeah, your body's used to, like like mm. eye contact, physical presence, getting those like body, mm. um, what's it called, body signals and yes. things like that. So, but we're just set up not to really notice that or care about it. So yeah. it's a bit tricky. Hey, and yeah. you mentioned about science there, like what, like with the forest um, walking and forest bathing. Mm-hmm. What, what, what research has been done around that? Like, what's the, there's what's a lot that? happening. Obviously, there's been a lot in Japan because yeah. they started a few decades ago. A lot of very interesting things. Um, looking into, you know, why do we feel good after we go into nature? Mm-hmm. Um, because people do generally feel good, and so there's the side of the psychological effect, so um, how your brain reacts, how maybe it sets off sort of more um, like happiness hormones, to <laughs> put it simply. Also, um, uh, you know, so that links into alleviating depression and feeling a little more sense of ease in life, a little more confidence maybe, a little more 
community. There's a big thing of feeling like you belong more once you go out in nature because deep down we do belong in nature. You, you know, know, I I, uh, I watched that movie on Netflix, The uh, Octopus Teacher. Oh, oh my God, good I watched it? that oh, recently. Seen it, so. yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just a testament to that. Yeah. It's a little less accessible, you know, because you can't all just go and start diving <laughs> in the kelp forests yeah, and befriending and sea an creatures. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. As much as I'd love to do that. Yeah. I found an octopus one time in Thailand. It was the most magical experience oh of my, my life. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so cute. Well, <laughs> In some vein, I sort of bring that into my walks where we meet trees. So <laughs> I know it sounds a little weird, but it's more. I lost a few people. No, no, no. <laughs> this is great. The weirder, the better. So, so can you explain that? Like, yeah, um, I try and be very cautious when I introduce this activity because on the on my walks, I always we stop and I say, you know, next I'd like to invite you to try this because it's ne- it's that whole thing about oh, am I going to do this right? I never say like, okay, this is what you need to do next. I'm mm. always like, this is an idea of something you might like to do here. If you don't, if people just want to go and lie down on the grass, like they can do that. Mm. So the meter tree activity. There's some amazing old trees in the botanic gardens, all different types because it's, you know, they've collected all these species from all over the world. But what meeting a tree is about is about slowing down and being a little more attentive in the context of a tree. So if you imagine that you have this beautiful, huge tree in front of you, even just a small tree, even if it's just your pot plant, that you can spend some time there with that creature because it is it is a living creature and it's actually giving you oxygen to breathe and you're giving it carbon dioxide to metabolize its food. So you do have a relationship with that on a biological level. But also you can just, you know, have a look at what it looks like. What do you notice? What, mm. What's the colors? Um, how is it moving? And things like that. And that's um, jumping back to the science that comes back to attention restoration. So when we're looking at natural scenes, generally they're quite, um, the patterns and movements don't ask for a lot of attention. Well, it's not like very stimulating. It's like it asks for a soft kind of focus from us. And in that way, it leads to some of the restoration in our brains that's like compared to being on overdrive, looking at computers and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, the simplicity yeah. really kind of like sends you into uh, a sense of, I don't know, yeah. calm, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and then you can start thinking, uh, start noticing, you know, what what does a tree sound like as the wind moves through it, if it sounds like anything. Maybe it has a certain smell, maybe there's flowers, or maybe you can get the leaves, like if you get some eucalyptus leaves, crunch mm. them up and smell them. And um Touch the tree. Like people, this is the part where people are like, oh, no, I don't want to touch the tree. I don't want people to think I'm a tree hugger or something. But, <laughs> that was you know. the term that came to yeah. mind is tree hugger, which is really bad. But there's actually plenty of people out there who enjoy hugging a tree. But even if you just touch the tree and you get that sense of what does it feel like under your fingertips. Mm. And, um, so, again, using all those five senses. Yeah, yeah you're about. using yeah. your five senses to really connect with that with that being. And, um it, it puts you into a state of curiosity and into a state of like you might enter a sort of feeling that you just lose track of time and you just it's just you and just the tree and the tree doesn't like ask for anything of you. It's not asking you to like give it anything. Um, and like I compare that to when we're working or in social situations where we might be feeling under pressure to to be a certain way or something. And I think that's what people find when they go out into nature, that they don't 
there's no pressure on them to be a certain way or to produce a certain outcome. They're allowed to just be who they are mm. and be held in that space. So, yeah, anyway, so that's meet a tree and um, and people might start personifying the tree because after we do meet a tree, I invite us all back together and to share sometimes share anything that they notice if they feel like it and people then give each other a little window into their experience with oh, that tree cool. which you would not have even if you went over by yourself so mm. i loved i loved um hearing those stories on my walks of how people see things and there's sometimes they they have old memories from their childhood pop up of like um touching a tree and it reminded them of like an elephant that they met when they were a kid or, um, or even just the way the tree was bending, it reminded them of like a dancer and it f- made them feel a little bit free or things like that. So, That's you awesome. know, it sounds a bit airy-fairy, but it's actually just what your mind will do naturally. Yeah, yeah. yeah most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like I've only gotten recently back into uh, meditation in the last month. Mm. So I did this, um, did like this 30-day challenge where um, I would, it was no alcohol, um, working out every day, cold showers, meditate uh and doing journaling mm. and in that in that time <clears throat> the amount of like uh i i because i didn't know what to meditate on so i i went to headspace and i got into this um 30-day sort of chain uh, about creativity and the creativity oh. meditation they go through is about visualization which i found very difficult to begin with um but then eventually what they do is they have you do these breathing exercises and then you just let your mind wander. And then when your mind wanders too much, you bring back it, bring it back to the breath. But it's only when you stop thinking and stop trying to visualize something to where you can observe what your brain produces naturally. Yeah. The amount of weird things that I know it starts see. to become a little funny, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So I can I can definitely understand what you mean when people do the the tree. Uh, yeah. Meet a tree thing. Yeah. And um, the uh, another thing that I'm starting to learn from doing this is people can be scared to be creative or mm. scared to use their imagination. Like I also do sessions with kids and obviously that's very yes. different because kids are just oh, right. kids guide the work. Like they know how to like just explore nature. They know how to, um, you know, just spend like three hours walking one meter, just looking at every single little rock and just thinking it's, it's so sad, cool. It's isn't it, how we lose that? Yeah, um, I don't – I'm not sure what happens along the way but um, it's – it's what I aim to share in my walks is not like, oh, now you have to be creative. It's more just like this is a space where you're allowed to and be imaginative if you mm. want to and like start. And in that way, people start to come a bit more back into connection with their inner nature, which is like who you are as a person who has like a creative imagination because, yeah, so it's like mm. tying in, connecting with outer nature and then sometimes it will bring out you closer to your inner nature too. So that's a – Nice thing of this, but you know, I'm still learning about it as I go too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's super sounds- cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Jess, can you tell me more about your um, uh, your your wellness coaching and yoga teaching? So, yeah. are those two connected, or are they sort of like two separate definitely segments? Connected, or- definitely <clears throat> connected, and I think um, like here, I would love to connect with you as well after this because I think like there's so much to be said about nature, yeah. and I think as a society we are so disconnected with nature and you know just for time's sake i won't go down a rabbit hole but even to the point you know where let's do it let's go down that rabbit hole (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's um we're so disconnected with nature that even i I believe you know it even affects 
our hormones and for a woman, our periods and our cycles. And we're just so out of tune with it all mm. um, because we're just running down this road, you know, of, of high performance and success mm. and um, expectations. And we're actually forgetting where we actually came from. And well, it's my personal belief. I, I believe that we're forgetting where we came from and what, our bodies are capable of doing mm -hmm. and what our mind is capable of doing if we just stop if we just slow down mm. if we just take a pause mm. so so is what you do kind of similar to what kira does in a way or? absolutely <clears throat> absolutely i mean i'm not definitely not taking people out in forest walks, mm -hmm. but i will definitely think about <laughs> referring some clients over um <laughs> it's about reconnecting with yourself the work that i do is about looking inwards and as i mentioned before i looked all over mm -hmm. the world friends partners everywhere for contentment for happiness i looked it in my job i had it in my job for so long because it was that reward you know it's that it's that reward praise we, we, yeah we get that reward system we, we love it we thrive on it and you know i had many years where i would just thrive under pressure and i would go 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 and then i'd get burnt out so the way that I like to, I guess, work with clients now and help clients now is by letting them look inwards. And the the way that we get people to look inwards, well, the way that I enjoy getting people to look inwards is actually just by journaling. Mm. It's about them putting pen to paper, sitting down with themselves. People do not want to be around their own thoughts. You mentioned that yourself. You know, <laughs> yeah. people don't, people are scared. Mm. I read a book the other day and it was um, talking about how a group of students were given the option to be without their phone for I think it was 20 minutes in a room or they could this already makes me sad wait <laughs> they were in a room I'm paraphrasing here because um, I've read so many books recently and um, it's like merging into one but they put these students in a room these were teenagers in their late teens like 18 19 years old mm -hmm. they had the option to stay in the room with their own thoughts or get their phone back but in order to get their phone back they had to electrocute themselves <laughs> all of them electrocuted themselves like like how bad electrocution are we talking you're like a i don't well i can't like, imagine it'd be that like bad because themselves. you'd probably be illegal if they were like you know yeah <laughs> putting shock but they they took that voluntarily to shock themselves instead of being with their own thoughts mm. so just just sit on that and let that kind of sink in. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they're like, they're desensitized to pain because of like the, how unsatisfying so using social media Absolutely. is. Or mm. they just think that their own thoughts will be so painful that they just, it's so, yeah. that brings up a lot more questions, doesn't it? But yeah. Yeah, yeah so it makes you wonder like, where are we going as a society? <laughs> are we going to go I more think, towards that? Or are we going more holistic? I think no? we're going, I think we're quite coming full circle. Like, so. Yeah. COVID had such a big role in that, didn't absolutely. it? Though? Even yeah. for ourselves, no, massive, you know, we've just yeah. had that conversation. But um, yeah, I think for the work that I do, it's definitely integrated everything. You know, I used to believe that health was going to the gym five days a week and eating a salad and because <laughs> i did that one day a week. It, it is for some people you know it is yeah but it's but not it's not holistic health it's not holistic health and right. i 
would live like that. And I actually, I'm, um, I'm no longer vegan, but I was vegan for four years mm-hmm. and I had a vegan lifestyle and like people thought, oh, it's super healthy. Well, it was until you start eating the Linda McCartney sausage rolls. Like they're going <laughs> to like go out of fashion. Um, God damn, how good are those? They're so good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, you have this kind of health halo of like, like I'm vegan and I'm a yogi and I do this and I do that. But you're just but, setting up more expectations, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. You're giving oh, yourself you're right. these high demands and high expectations. Mm. And then what you're doing is you're going to work all week and you're coming home and you're drinking a bottle of red wine on a Friday night, waking up Saturday morning, feeling like shit. <laughs> Being <laughs> depressed on the next Yeah, Monday. you're doing this whole cycle, this whole cycle. Mm. So yeah. as much as health for some people might be going to the gym, oh, sorry, going to the gym, eating healthily, um, you know, it's much more than that. It's It's... About your mental well-being and your physical well-being, your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being, your community well-being. You know, I think as a society now, you mentioned there, like, where are we going? And I think it's really sad, but I think there's been a generation and I think it will definitely be my generation. You know, um, I think anyone who was born in the mid 80s to the mid 90s will suffer the most with this kind of societal change now but I think now the people who are being born in say 2010 onwards you know we had the conversation with a friend um a few months ago and we're saying that if you know how people will smoke you know remember being a kid and everyone would be smoking everywhere my mum mm. used to smoke these massive super king cigarettes what are they like really like, like super long? really really huge yeah um, and they were called super kings um, and I never forget, you know, she had, she used to smoke these cigarettes and I would be saying, oh, you need to stop smoking. You need to stop smoking. It's bad for you. Whereas now I feel in, in 20 years from now or 15 years from now, our kids might be saying, mom, dad, get off your phone. It's bad for you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like as a society, as a society, we're changing now. Mm-hmm. And I think the work that I do with clients is to allow them to look inwards, to, to self-realize that and have that self-discovery because it's all well and good saying it and reading about it Mm. and watching ted talks about it and what have you Mm. but it's another thing living it and coming to the realization yourself it's interesting too when you look at people who you know and of course teach their own whatever they do i mean no judgment obviously but it's interesting when you look at people who say are like religious right and Mm -hmm. they and they pray and it's almost like they're looking outward for that same realization that a lot of people find when they look inward you know but I would I would just put a pin in that there a second yeah. because I think with religion, mm. and I'm not a religious person, um, but I think with religion, I don't necessarily think you are looking outwards. No. I think a lot of people pray to look inwards. Yeah. And I think if you look at some religions like Buddhism, for example, um, that's all about looking inwards. Mm. Now, I was raised a Catholic. Well, that's looking outwards, isn't it, with, with, with Christianity, isn't it? Because you're looking at a deity. Not that we're going to debate at this, it, but... No. I think, like, yeah, I think it depends where you... What you see the answer in the form of. Mm. So yeah. if you sit down and pray for a little while, and then maybe you have some feeling to do something, and mm-hmm. yeah. you feel like you're compelled to ma- make a certain action, then, then you are looking inwards and you're following your intuition. Mm. But I don't know... If you take things word for word mm. from a book or something, yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's a tricky one. Yeah. That's yeah. a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not often that. Today. <laughs> well, uh, well, I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit because <laughs> 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 because um, you know, I, I was raised in a in a Christian. Um, I always I always use a joke that 
you know, my father was Catholic, my mother was Jewish, I went to a Lutheran school, so I was Jewish, you know? <laughs> but, but really at the end of it, I felt like I was sent to prison for no reason. Like I went, I was, I was raised in a Christian school growing up. And um, I, some of the people who were in that school were sort of like, they were kicked out of all the other public schools in the, in, in the town. Okay. And so like all the people who were in there were quite rough. It was like, um, I was in like a yeah. juvenile detention center <laughs> so, with yeah, God right. involved. And so it was, it was a bit of a strange experience, but um, in that experience, uh, you know, they were so, it was so God heavy. Even if you look at uh, people who suffer from, you know, alcoholism or, um, anything else like that. The 12 step program also is quite God related. Yeah. And, and I, I wonder, you know, is that the, like, is that an old school thing to bring in God or can we now not have to do that anymore? If we are just going to be focusing on say holistic, you know, mental well being, or is it just sort of, Whichever way you find it is is going to be the best way. However you get there is I the best think, is a good know, way. There are as many beliefs in, in regards to that as there are people. You know, for one person, Christianity might be something. For, you know, a person who lives next door to them on their street who goes to that same parish or that same church, it might be something completely different, mm. you mm. know. Um, yeah, there's so many sects of Christianity as well, it's, too. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not even just that. I mean, even people who are part of the same set of Christianity or, you know, um, you know, grew up in the same, you know, school and things like that, they can still have different views mm. and different um, different principles of how they live their life in regards to their faith. Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I, I think one of the things for myself is that I was so, uh, when I got into doing meditation and doing, um, do you, are you familiar with Wim Hof breathing? No, what's that? Can yes. you give us a demonstration? Oh, gosh. Straight this, into the microphone? <clears throat> yeah, let's do it. So, uh, <laughs> no, he's kid this Dutch guy and he's always talking. He's like, hello, is guys. I think he's Dutch. Yeah. I thought he was South African. Oh, gosh, who knows? He's got, he's got a very, oh. like, he's got a different um, accent, you yes. know. But basically the idea is that you do these 34 deep breaths and then you exhale at the end of it and you hold your breath at the, at the bottom of the exhale and you hold it for a minute and a half. Oh my gosh. And you realize you don't actually really need to breathe in because your, your blood is so filled with oxygen oh. from the deep breathing. You don't need to breathe in. And then you breathe in for 15 seconds, hold, and then you do it again. You do that three rounds of that. The idea is to stress your body so that you can deal with stress better uh, throughout the day. And it, it works really well. Um, and the, the reason why I kind of asked if you are familiar with it is because um, I've been doing it here in the city and then I wonder because I'm like sucking air so, so thick. <laughs> like, am I doing, is this like healthy for me to do? I like, mean, you're in Brisbane, so the air can't be that thick. Yeah. yeah, it can't be that bad, I guess. Hey. No. Look, yeah. Yeah, but it'd be nice to do it, I think, in, but, the, in the woods. I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah, especially if you, um, Go near some pine trees or eucalyptus trees. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, Are there certain trees that give off more oxygen uh, well, than others? Or? It's not, yeah, oxygen's, I don't know about that, but like, yeah, oxygen's good. But um, I was referring to another scientific finding about mm. being in nature, which is that um, really interesting that they found these compounds that are emitted from plants called phytoncytes, and they are like, sort of floating around the air when we're mm. in the forest um, related to the smell. So that pine smell when you're mm. pine forest or maybe the eucalyptus smell. 
And when you're breathing those in, they found that it's actually boosting your immune system because, you know, they found that more, there were more white blood cells activated in the participants' bodies, which are responsible for breaking down like tumor cells and cancer cells. Wow. So what they related that to is that trees in a forest emit sort of compounds and nutrients through their roots and through their bark and through their leaves to communicate with the other trees to give like nutrients to their neighboring trees to help like if there's a little tree growing they can like send them some nutrients through their roots to help them grow or send them a signal to say like turn your immune system on because there's like a bug biting me or like there's a disease on me or something and so protect yourself as well as and what because I am so that's like Imagine you're standing next to that tree and you're breathing in that sort of like hazard light and mm. then your body's actually going, like, oh, okay, I need to boost my immune system as well. Oh, interesting. So that was one finding in like um, one of the Japanese studies. So, Amazing. Oh, wow. So especially you knowing that while she were kind of running these walks yeah. during a global virus yeah. pandemic. It's, I, it's great just knowledge me. To yeah, share. it's mm. great way to boost your immunity be out in nature as well yeah, nice. so i started doing that wim half breathing yeah right there, hey? go near a tree yeah i'm gonna go straight <laughs> to the park as soon as i finish it I think people will freak out if i'm just like panting in front of a tree they're like oh this guy <laughs> can i ask a question here when you when you do meet the tree yeah. do people name the tree oh i want to know that as well, oh actually. yeah uh well i don't encourage like i don't tell them to um I haven't had anyone be like, oh, I named this tree Jimmy or anything. <laughs> oh, but um, there's another activity I do, which is a journaling activity, right? Yes. So we were talking about how journaling can be helpful for you to be reflective. But um, journaling is also a way to express your experiences when you are in nature and your observations. So, um, and some people like writing, you know, some people really like writing things down. Others might like drawing things or others might just like thinking about things. But for, I try and give people a taste of the different ones, but for the writing one, one of the activities is to go and find something in nature and, um, just observe it for a little while. It might be something living like an animal or it might be something static like a rock or a waterfall or something. And you can just write down some things you've noticed about that you that you haven't noticed before, which will be unique, you know, um, unless you visit this thing frequently. And then um, describe how it moves. So can you name a word for how it moves? And then, mm. and then finally, yeah, would you, if you could name this thing, what would you name it? Like and um, one of the amazing experiences was I was doing this with a university group and one of the girls found this leaf that had fallen off a tree and she had looked at it so much that she'd seen it as like an old map, like, you know, those old... Um, like a pirate ship map. A pirate ship map that's oh, like that yeah. faded beige and mm. it has like black ink on it and some little green bits. So it was a faded gum tree leaf that had turned sort of yellowy beige and she named it like papyrus or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Is that what they would have been made out of something? But that's cool. It's just like I love those windows into people's views and imaginations and nature brings out our creativity more as yeah. well. So Yeah, even yeah. an appreciation for like what's going on, you know, in terms of climate as well. I think people can even get a good sense of like saying, well, you know, I really enjoyed that and I kind of want more you know nature in mm. in my life so, yeah. I, so i think for me uh, you know one of the big passions i have is is um you know uh being conscious of uh the climate and going and you know i used to do a lot of volunteer work and trying to help out and uh to you know help with climate change and, yeah or to help out with a uh, loss of um you know habitats yeah and so it, it, for people who don't really 
realize or uh, appreciate those sorts of things, it's probably because they haven't spent a lot of time in nature to begin with. Yeah, I th- yeah. On that note, um, so my passion for this field arises out of doing environmental science and being a bit of an environmentalist, and you know, being heartbroken by learning about all the issues in the world at the moment. So, you know, four years of environmental science taught me that we're screwing up Earth in so many different ways, mm. right? But it also taught me that the way that this is being communicated to people is very negative a lot of the time. Well, it's changing now, but it was a very negative for a lot of time. People say, climate change is really bad, global warming, we're, we're going to, so many species are going to die and mm. the ocean's so polluted. And People check out when they get all those messages mm. because they feel hopeless, they feel responsible and guilty and yeah they in denial as well they all they just deny it completely yeah Yeah. Yeah. so i think there was a study on this i saw ted talk about a woman who said that uh, we don't really listen to warnings you know like yeah our brain sort of shuts off when we see these warnings these negative things if we yeah especially if you feel like it's just an insurmountable issue but Mm. so now after noticing that then it's changing to bit more positive messaging like you know be a good person take reusable shopping bags on your grocery trip and things like that but um so the thing I sort of started thinking about when I was learning about all these issues was you know what can we do what what can I do to be a bit more positive and I sort of reached a point where I felt like everything I was doing could in one way or another be seen as harmful and it led me to feel very stuck but um then I was like okay so thinking about you know, what What can we do that sort of fosters a bit more positivity between humans and Earth because there's, it seems like there's so much negativity and just going out into nature and just being there with nature goes a long way mm. because obvi- like, like I said, it's actually helping your health and your well-being to be in nature in lots of different ways. But in turn, if you're able to go out into nature and just be there with a tree or a plant or an animal and not just see it as like, oh, cool, I can get some food from that or or I need to like, you know, I need to trim this bush or something, you know, trying mm. to manipulate but rather just have a sense of appreciation. It goes both ways mm. and that's that's the starting point for becoming a bit more um, conscious of nature. Yeah. And I think that's – it's not to say that you have to then go on and become a climate activist or something but mm-hmm. from the very – if we bring it back down – to if everyone saw a tree and was like, well, that's a very important part of my of my survival existence and well being. Yeah. More importantly, well, what we wouldn't be cutting down so many trees, maybe. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> we were, or same with coal and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's a very it starts to. Um, put a lot of puzzle pieces together when you start going down this track. Yeah. In my mind, yeah, I, absolutely, I think yeah. so. And. Um, I would love to keep talking about this, um, but we're uh, we got uh, just a few minutes left. Okay. So I want to thank you so much um, for uh, for all the you know information you gave us and listening, hearing about the scientific side of it. I, I learned a lot here from Kira. And <clears throat> now I'm wondering if we could all do an activity together. And yeah. you, maybe Jess, would you would you want to maybe uh, for people who are listening at home who've never done meditation, for example, would you be willing to perhaps take us through like a quick three minute, five minute meditation session? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I think if everyone can just start by just taking stock and taking note of how they feel now, um, 
you know, if you just take a comfortable seat, find a comfortable seat, whether that's in a chair, it might be cross-legged on the floor. And just starting to close down the eyes. And for the people here now, for Kira and Peter, um, if we just close down the eyes and just take note of how you're feeling at this moment. And just take a nice few deep breaths here. So just breathing in through the belly, in through the nose and out through the nose. And just knowing your heart rate starting to slow down. And you may like to use an affirmation here. You may like to use an affirmation like, I am calm. I am centered. I am enough. And just let those words just ingrain in your mind. And when you're ready, come back to the room and open up your eyes. So a very short meditation um, that is more breath awareness and what you would call in yoga, you would have mantra meditation. Mantra is obviously chanting and you would have different mantras. In the Western world now, a mantra can be something as simple as an affirmation. How do you both feel after taking, that was 40 seconds, you know, there. How does 40 seconds of calm? Um, at the start, I felt like nervous excitement <laughs> and now I feel like, um like positive and calm Thanks. so yeah yeah no same probably because i have uh 10 shots in this cup here <laughs> coffee uh, by the way yeah yes. yeah oh yeah, yeah coffee shots yeah right <laughs> i feel drunk <laughs> <laughs> oh but at the end of it yeah it definitely felt good yeah so uh, that's the key there and that's why um Thank you for putting me on the spot there. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to Curious um, Yeah, <laughs> um, but I think that's really important because so many people think that they can have that moment of mindfulness and it is accessible to every single person out there. And, you know, I've, I've met somebody recently who said that they no longer have time to meditate anymore because they run a business and they have two kids and I get that. But then they said that they see that everything as an opportunity. If they're waiting for the bus... Mm. Or if they're waiting for the doctor, I mean, doctors, you know, every appointment that I go to, I'm at least waiting 10 minutes. Mm. Yeah. So I think, you know, take those opportunities to find those moments of peace and calm and something as little as 40 seconds we've just seen then can have a massive difference yeah. on your nervous system and have a massive difference on to how you go about your day and interact with the people around you. Yeah, great. Well, don't mean to cut everyone off here, but we yeah. could probably keep going this for a long time. But yeah. um, again, I want to thank you, Kira, for coming on. And uh, any, anybody who's interested in uh, going for uh, nature therapy or nature walks, um, please check out her website at uh, wellnature.net. Uh, do you have an Instagram or anything that you Yeah, follow? Well Natured Wanderings on Facebook and Instagram too. Right. And yeah. then uh, also with Jess Dodd as well. And your Instagram is Be Well, Be with, well Jess. with Jess. Yeah. 
So uh, make sure you follow those and make sure you follow uh, Curious Pete at <laughs> The Curious Pete. Also on uh, uh, iTunes, soon to be coming up, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and a few other ones. I can't remember them all. But I'm sure <laughs> Where you are you? Get your podcast. Yeah, wherever you get them, it's good. All right. Well, uh, thank, thank you uh, for coming on. And um, I guess we'll see everyone next time. It's a pleasure. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for putting me on the spot there. Oh, it's time, you know. Gotta gotta get those viewers. Gotta get those viewers. Oh, you know. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it?